Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. How do we like our martial arts? We like them mixed. <laughs> and there'll be lots of opportunities to watch the mixing of the martial arts. As you can see, a triple header for the major mixed martial arts promotions. We have Bellator 297 and PFL 5 coming up on Friday. Bellator's in Chicago, PFL's in Atlanta, and then... Fresh off of UFC 289, the UFC returns to the luxurious Apex in Las Vegas for UFC Vegas 75, and we're going to talk about all these cards today. Thank you for joining us for the Combat Weekend Preview Show here, the trifecta. I am Mike Hack, and joining me, my fellow Red Sox fan, doesn't matter what place they're in, we're still going to wear the damn hats, Mr. Jose Youngs. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? It was, I must say... As someone from New England, the fights were great last weekend, UFC 289. But you know what was even better was being around a bunch of people from Vancouver inside that arena. Because I, I, I don't know about you, Mike, but me as a Bruins fan, I have tremendous memories from that <laughs> arena. Specifically in 2011, when that city burned to the ground after you know we came we won you know the, the road game to, to win game seven the stanley cup so i had to bring it up every single day um you know just to, to remind them uh congratulations you know the golden knights uh for winning the stanley cup it's been what five years since we've had a parade in the city which is an eternity for boston so congratulations to las vegas for your first one so a little peek behind the curtain we're recording this on wednesday i believe in I have a weird you your memory is very it's unbelievable. I believe it 12 years to the day as we record this was that Ooh. game seven against the the Canucks when the Bruins just beat that ass and it was like the Ooh. best game seven ever to watch because it was like I over don't, in the third period. Because I was back home in Rhode Island for that game, so I was obviously around Bruins fans. Um I don't remember the exact day though. Um it was obviously around now though. So yeah, damn. What a what a wonderful memory. 
Yes. What a wonderful it was a memory. great memory. The whole Tim Thomas and the Vancouver goalie saying that, you know, they're just pumping tires. I believe that was the famous line. So June 15th, Boston four, Vancouver Canucks zero game seven. Oh, you'll love to see it. Love to see it. One of my favorite days ever, but we have a weekend full of mixed martial arts, Jose. We could talk about Boston sports championships forever and ever because there's been so many of them. But we got <laughs> Bellator 297. We got PFL 5. We got UFC Vegas 75. I think we should just go in order of shoot like card quality because to sure. me, Bellator 297 oh, yeah. has the best offering of the three. That's mm-hmm. That seems pretty clear, is it not? Oh, 100%. I mean, anytime – like I, I say this on every preview show. Whenever this kind of comes up, whenever the best at someone does anything, I'm going to tune in. And I think it's kind of consensus now that Patricio Pitbull's probably the greatest Bellator fighter ever. I know there was a point in time when Michael Chandler and Douglas Lima were making a run for it, but I think it's comfortably it's Patricio Pitbull right now. If you know, I know he lost to McKee, but then getting the belt back, and especially if he gets the third belt against Sergio Pettis. Um, yeah, I'm very I even if it was just that fight, I would be very excited for this card. But the fact that you have like Romero, Nemkov, Corey Anderson, Phil Davis, like it's a it is a very good main card for Bellator. Obviously, the Bellator prelims are Bellator prelims. There's obviously like Cody Law, Emmanuel Sanchez, and Kyle Crutchner on that on the prelims, but the main card is is very fun. It's very, very fun. Every now and then Bellator pulls one of these out, and I'm I'm very excited for this card. Yeah, a lot of very recognizable names, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of past UFC fighters. So, I mean, we're, we're just going to shoot the breeze about this whole thing. Vadim Nemkov versus Yoel Romero is the main event for the light heavyweight title. 46-year-old Yoel Jeez. Romero, who is just looks like he's 29, looks like a friggin' grizzly bear. But for some reason, he's afraid of heights, didn't go to the press conference, did the virtual thing, which is amazing, and had the virtual stare down with with Vadim Nemkov. So this is a really interesting fight because Vadim's just been on a roll, and Yoel Romero is just so unpredictable. He's just like – he's like a 46-year-old grenade. You pop the pin, and you don't know if it's going to explode or not, and if it does, it's going to do a ton of damage, just a matter of when it's actually going to happen. So – what are your thoughts on this matchup? 46-year-old Yoel Romero, the second oldest fighter to fight for a world title in major MMA promotional history, I believe. Now, to be fair, Yoel Romero being 46 years old is not the same thing as a normal human <laughs> being being 46 years old. Like, I, like you could have told me this man was 64 years old and I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. This dude's been around forever and he still, of course, looks like that. Has more abs than I'll ever have professional MMA fights. So um, Nemkov is obviously, he's been on a tear, like you said. I know he had the weird Corey Anderson no contest that he was on the verge of losing to Corey Anderson. Came back and won pretty comfortably uh, when they eventually they rematched and won the Grand Prix. And outside of that, I know he lost to Yuri and I know he lost to Carl uh, Albertson, but the year he lost, that was a first-round retire, like he, like they threw in the towel or something like that. But that was in Ryzen when they have 10-minute opening rounds. So to fight Yuri Prohaska for 10 minutes is not good for anyone's health. Uh, so Vadim, Vadim, But since then, Vadim Nemkov has been making a serious case as one of the three to four best light heavyweights on planet Earth and very clearly top five light heavyweights in the world. Now, Romero, this it's interesting because Romero and Nemkov are not the biggest. They sh- they're not the biggest light heavyweights. In fact, Romero obviously 
has found most of his success, if not all of his success, at middleweight, especially in the UFC where he's a multiple-time title challenger. And Nemkov is kind of like, in obviously, Fedor is one of his coaches and he's on Team Fedor, but he's kind of cut from that same cloth where he sacrifices size for speed and endurance and quickness where he, he – looks like he could very easily cut down to middleweight just like Fedor always looked like he could cut down to 205 you they were never the biggest fighters but their hand speed and quickness and cardio and you know not depleting their body on the scale has obviously paid dividends because he has looked pretty unstoppable in Bellator outside of that Corey Anderson fight which he he righted that ship so the fight makes sense uh I I know we're going to go into predictions right now but I'm very curious how because Nemkov has fought Phil Davis, he's fought Ryan Bader, he's fought Corey Anderson. And if you list the three best wrestlers at light heavyweight in Bellator, those are th- those three are probably in the top five, if not the top three slots. So, another heavy handed wrestler, I don't think any of the individuals I previously named are as explosive or can be as explosive as Romero. Because, like you said, we could get the Romero that just kind of forgot to plug in the controller against Israel Adesanya for that first round. So I'm a lot of questions about this fight, but it makes sense that I'm excited to see Romero, you know, do his thing inside a cage, not an octagon, a cage, a stupid the, circle cage. <laughs> Casey's favorite cage. Mm-hmm. Don't let him tell you any different. Casey has been on multiple shows. Go back into the archives. He loves the Bellator cage. Right. It's his favorite cage of all the cages. If there's some people ask on heck of a morning, like what would be the best 30 for 30 on a fighter? I think a 30 for 30 on Yoel Romero's career would be really fascinating to watch Mm. because it's just so unique and weird and ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And just just like the last five fights of his career from the absolute war with Paulo Costa to the stinker against Izzy, (laughs) then he signs with Bellator and he fights Phil Davis and it's like a very filled – not a terrible fight by any stretch of the imagination, but it was kind of like the Yoel, like, oh man, like he's just not doing anything. Then he fights Alex Polizzi on relatively short notice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were picking against Yoel Romero in that fight. They thought, all right, this is a good test for Alex Polizzi. He's on a nice run. And then Yoel just beat the brakes off. He broke his face with one second left in the third round. And then he gets Melvin Manhoof in a fight that after watching the Polizzi fight, no one really wanted to see because we kind of, knew what was going to happen here but here he is back at it taking on vadim nemkov and like you said nemkov's looked really good you can give a prediction right now as you want because we're going to be looking at three cards but this to me there is no gray area this fight is either going to be an absolute war and it's going to be like the paulo costa fight or it is just not going to be all that entertaining and nemkov is just gonna control him and it's gonna be one of those fights where Yoel just doesn't really get going at all and we're just right. gonna be kind of frustrated and like throwing things to the tv where, where are you where are you at with this it's hard to predict a Yoel Romero fight but how do you think this plays out who do you think gets their hand raised I think Nemkov wins I don't think he's gonna finish Romero but I think he's going to win because like you said I I think if, if you look at the last few years Vadim Nemkov is very clearly I'm gonna say dating back to like 2021 2020 Nemkov's had the more consistent high level competition um and he's not a guy that if Romero is doing that weird thing that lackluster thing where he he's not really fighting he's kind of trying to goad you in so he can just launch hammers at you Nemkov is not one of those guys that will fall for that he's all obviously like I said he's done exceptionally well against Phil Davis beat him twice knocked head kicked Ryan Bader 
beat Corey Anderson, beat Liam McGeary, like beat Rafael Carvalho. Like he's beating guys, but not, he's not just like, I know obviously the Phil Davis one was split decision, but like head kicked Ryan Bader submitted uh Rafael Cavalcante leg kicked Liam McGeary's legs off. So this is like low key, which is fitting because Fedor is the exact same way. Low key, Vadim Nemkov is one of the most violent fighters in all of MMA. And he's probably the most violent one that we're just not talking about enough. And on the flip side, Romero can be one of the most violent fighters. Like if you look at that, the, like who he lost to in the UFC at middleweight, it's like Robert Whitaker twice. Uh, one of those fights was like fight of the year, one of the greatest fights you'll ever see. Former champion, Paulo Costa, former title contender. In a fight that a lot of people think Joel Romero won, Israel Adesanya in a stinker. But he's losing to the best of the best. And I just think Vadim Nemkov is also one of the best of the best. He's obviously an incredibly high-level Sambo practitioner. He has dynamite in his hands. He has unbelievable kicks. He's honestly just a perfectly technical martial artist. And I don't think... He's going to make a mistake because a lot of people that fail against Romero, like, you know, Chris Weidman or uh, who was it? Derek Brunson was winning that fight. All, a lot of these guys that succumb, Luke Rockhold is another great example, Jacare Souza, Leota Machida, like they make one mistake. They leave one opening and Romero just kind of kills them. Like Leota Machida, he knocked out with the elbow because he, he, he caught him off guard. Tim Kennedy, same had that weird uh, thing with the, the fish hook in the glove and then, and the, the stool Brunson was winning. Chris Weidman got melted by that flying knee. I don't think Nemkov is going to give him an opening. I think he's too perfectly well-rounded and too perfectly and technically sound. I think he's going to win by a decision. How many rounds he wins? I have no idea. I'm not going to try to predict that. But I think I think we'll have an end still by unanimous decision. I'm with you, but boy, would it be incredible if 46 year old Yoel Romero wins the Bellator light heavyweight title and beats freaking Vadim Nemkov to do it because that would just be super impressive. So that's the main event. Although to me, Jose, and I don't want to be like a downer. I feel like the co-main event should be the main event. Sergio Pettis versus Patricio Pitbull. Like I get it. The UFC agreed. They do the, 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 the higher weight class gets the top billing. I get it. But Bellator has set precedents where even non-title fights are main events with mm-hmm. title fights being co-main events. Like mm-hmm. this to me is a no brainer. You have, the face of your promotion, the most successful fighter you've ever had, trying to make history here. Like, if this is just a regular fight, that's one thing. But Trisha Pitbull is trying to do what no one else has done before. And I know Juan Archuleta is all well, mad because he, he won four King of the Cage divisional titles. But I'm talking about, like, major promotional MMA, like the top four. Trisha Pitbull wins this fight. He is on a league of his own. It's not a two-division champion. He's a freaking three-division champion fighting the returning Sergio Pettis. This fight is incredible. I, I can't wait to see it. And to me, this should be the main event. Yeah, it should be the main event. I don't honestly know why, because after everything we listed off with Nemkov and Romero being so exciting, um, <coughs> excuse me, like we also said, that fight could kind of be a stinker and you don't want your main event to be a stinker. So uh, even without the history and everything, I still think Pitbull should just be number one. Uh, I think if we're getting into predictions now, I think he beat Sergio Pettis. I am... I think Sergio Pettis is so talented. I think he's so dynamic with his striking. I think he's very underrated with his submission, uh, his his submission skills, especially off his back, like his older brother Anthony. But he was losing and 
very he was not only losing, but Kyoji Horiguchi was showing why I thought at one point he could have been the best bantamweight slash flyweight in the world. And then he threw that hail may hail hail Mary of a spinning back fist, caught Kyoji Horiguchi, and Kyoji Horiguchi just barely woke up. So but if that didn't happen, Kyoji Horiguchi is winning that title. Even even Sergio was seemed kind of annoyed at his performance. Yeah, he got to keep his belt or claim the belt. But even he was like, ah, I didn't perform like I should. He was his biggest critic. Uh, I would have loved to see what would have happened if he fought Rufion Stotts. Uh, Patching Mix is obviously awaiting the winner of this, most likely. I just think Patricio Pitbull, if, if, and I'm basing this off of what he's saying that the weight cut is not difficult. If the way, if he shows up on the scale and looks like death, obviously I could switch my, my, my pick around. But if it is as easy as he, he says, and he's even t- he even told you that he can make a move to flyweight after no problem. If if we have been watching Patricio Pitbull over the last ten years compete in a weight class that was above his natural weight class, which is bantamweight, that is that makes his career even more impressive. Because how old is Patricio Pitbull? He's got to be in his mid thirties, correct? Like 35, 36 years old to be going to. 135 pounds after 10 plus years of winning 145 and winning the 155 pound title against Michael Chandler, who is, as everyone says, one of the most exciting fighters in the world. I just think he has more skills on his feet. I think he has more skills on the ground. I think he knows how to win rounds. I just, I just, I, I think both men are so talented. I just think Patricia Pitbull is better, is a better martial artist than Sergio Pettis. I think he has more ways to win. I don't know how he's going to win. Don't ask me for a specific prediction, but I, I do think we see Patricio Pitbull um, succeed uh, and 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 make history because he holds every record. And even like those those wins over like Adam Boric, where it wasn't a barn burner, he just kind of nullified Adam Boric's game plan. Like all these dynamic spinning attacks and flying knees and everything that Adam Boric threw. Patricio Pitbull had an exact answer forever. Like like Adam Boric, world famous for his flying knee, throws the flying knee, Patricio Pitbull times it and punches him between the eyes midair. I think his fight IQ and his game planning is something that we just don't talk about enough. I think Patricio Pitbull gets it done. I think he has perfectly scouted out Sergio like he has his last few few opponents. I know the AJ McKee loss. I just think he got clipped and choked out. It happens to the best of us. But he righted the ship and beat AJ McKee fair and square. Didn't let the crowd get to him. I think I just think his fight IQ is on another level and his most underrated skill set. I think I think Patricio Pitbull gets it done. I've talked to people who feel like Patricio could have made this move like three or four years ago without I'm pretty any- sure if if you go back through the archives we've talked about Patricia Pitbull fights going and him going to 135 after yeah he says he doesn't even use a tub when he cuts to 45 like you said 45 is so easy to get to barely cut it's a barely a weight cut and he went up to 55 like if he goes down to 35 and looks great and just just dominate Sergio Pettis, but then went up to 55 and beat Michael Chandler just an incredible thing now, here's the question for you, Jose, because if if Patricio does do this and he makes the weight and he does all this, wins the third title, Bellator has to capitalize on this. This can't be just something that Scott Coker goes to a press conference and says, this is the greatest fighter of all time, the only three-division champion, clips on our social media page. It needs to be more than this. How can if, – if this actually happens, and even if it doesn't, like even if Sergio just knocks off 
the face of the promotion in a lot of respects. How does Bellator capitalize on this? Because you can't just let this event go and let a moment like that just happen. You have to capitalize on it. How do you do that? I don't know because something like this has never happened before. This really would be uncharted waters because is that there's no for like you could give him like well obviously Patchy Mix would probably be waiting for him in the wings. Um could they go to Brazil? Maybe. I mean, they've been talking about that forever. Like, you know, bring cyb put like put bring cyborg as the co-main event. Do Kazangan with Cyborg in the in the co-main event, bring Douglas Lima, you know, put Patricky Pitbull in, on there, like just load up with all these Brazilians that you have, just load them up. That maybe, but I don't know how popular Bellator is in Brazil. I just I don't know, man. I don't know because who's the after after this fight after he makes history? Who's the draw? Who's the big draw that you could put him next to? Like Patchy Mix is the, is essentially the mandatory because he he won the Grand Prix, and unless he wants to go to one twenty five and try to become the inaugural one hundred twenty five pound champion, but they I have a fight book there. That's right. That's right. I truly I truly don't know. I don't know what the answer is because Bellator also – how does Bellator capitalize on anything? Like, do you know what I'm One saying? The, I, I Listen, and I know I'm probably going to get a text about this, and that's fine. Um, Bellator dropped the ball so hard with AJ McKee. When AJ knocked out Pitbull, that dude should have been on every television show on planet Earth. He should have been everywhere after that. We didn't see him again until Jake Paul had a boxing match like three weeks later. Like if Patricio does this and becomes a three division champion, like I know his English is getting better, but it's not a hundred percent. This dude needs to be on every major Portuguese speaking sports show on the planet. You got to capitalize on this moment. If he does this, it can't just be, well, Scott Coker said it or our Bellator PR social media team said it. This dude's got to make the rounds. He's got to be on every show everywhere. Get a translator, do whatever you have to do. But if this happens, you have to make it count. It can't just fade into the – it can't just fade because there's going to be another UFC card next week. There's going to be another PFL card next week. By the time we get to Tuesday or Wednesday, this story is gone. Like we'll talk about it on a BTL like by Thursday, but even then, like that's about a week after that. the fact. So got to capitalize on this moment. And even if Sergio wins, you got to capitalize and do the same thing with him. But I got to tell you, the move to 125 got a lot of people scratching their heads and thinking about it, but – the thought of Patricio Pitbull versus Kyoji Horiguchi just makes me smile. I have if they to do it, I would love it if they did that Kyoji Horiguchi versus Patricio Pitbull on the Rise and New Year's Eve show in a oh. ring. Like that would be a lot of fun, especially for the the Bellator title. Um, and then maybe after that they go to Brazil. I can't imagine they're going to Brazil this year. I feel like fight promotions have their second half planned out. Um. Yeah, they don't dropped the ball. Do, don't even do it for the title. Just do it in the ring because they're not going to put the title yeah. on the line in the ring. I don't even know if they can do that. But mm. just it, it, call it like the AEW title eliminator where if like Pitbull wins, he gets a title shot like they do with like in, in AEW. Yeah, but who's their best flyweight right now? Kyoji Horiguchi? Like I would probably want Kyoji yeah. Horiguchi involved in a title fight. You know, I don't want to have him knocked off right away, uh, especially if you want to legitimize their inaugural title. I don't know because they, they dropped the ball with AJ. Patricio Pitbull obviously speaks English, but not the best English. So it's not like he can do the rounds on Good Morning America and Sports Center and, 
you know, all this other kind of stuff. So I don't know. I just make him, I guess they, they could just put all their eggs in the basket of Brazil and just make him like the next big Brazilian superstar or just make him more of a superstar. Cause like right now, like I was speaking with some UFC, UFC PR this past weekend and Charles is everywhere in Brazil. He is a rock star. And then Alex Pereira is getting there, but he's more niche to MMA. But like, you don't, even if you're not an MMA fan, you know who Charles Oliveira is in Brazil. Kind of, he's on like that Jose Aldo level. Pitbull could get there. And I say it's annoying that we're talking about he could get there at 35 after fighting in Bellator for 10 plus years. I just I don't know. I'd love to see Bellator prove me wrong and make make Patricio Pitbull as big of a deal as he is. Yeah, he'll be 36 July oh. 7th. It's like three weeks away from 36. Man, like what's funny about Charles Oliveira is like those who know what he does, they all love him. And if you don't know what he does, like you want to know what he does. He just has that like mystique to him right now. Dude is just, he's he's just on fire. Charles Oliveira is on fire. Featured by like the Corey Anderson, Phil Davis fight again. We got a lot of uh, recognizable names on here. (laughs) It's going to kick off with a heavyweight fight. Daniel James versus Gokan Sirikon. I, Look, I'm fine with this fight. This should not be the main card opener. You have all these undefeated prospects that are fighting on the prelims. Just pick one and put them in that spot. Like to me, and and I'll I'll get your sort of low key banger that could be in the spot too. To me, Norbert Novendi Jr. is one of the five best prospects at MMA right now. This guy is a freaking monster at 185 pounds. And at some point in the next two and a half to three years. Maybe less. He's gonna fight Johnny Eblen for the for the middleweight title. Oh, it is going yeah. to happen. That is going. That fight is going to happen at some point. But to me, you throw that guy on the main card. Let him open it up. Let Archie Colgan open it up. Somebody like that to like everybody. You recognize all these other names, like Daniel James. Like no no, no disrespect. I know he's a Chicago guy and he'll get the rub and everything with the big win, but. I don't know. I just feel like one of these undefeated guys that you're going to put the rockets to at some point, these are the guys you got to get in front of as many eyeballs as possible. Yes, but that's Bellator. Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. So that is Bellator 297 Chicago. I'm looking forward to it. I previewed this card like a week ago on another podcast. There were 18 fights on it. We're down to 15. We're down to 15, so that's a little bit better. That would have been 14 prelim fights before we got to the main card. 15 is a fine number. They usually bust through the prelims pretty quickly. So a lot to like on there. If you're looking for some good prospects, there's a ton of them on this card. What so. arena is this fight card at? It's not at the United Center or whatever, right? And it's not at um, – It's at Wintrust. <laughs> oh, on the south side? Wintrust Win- Arena. Yeah, south side. All right. Well, it's like 11,000 seats. I guess not bad. Yeah. Not too I think that's maybe. I think that's where DePaul plays. Oh, maybe. But I think it's like a college right. arena, but it, and I also think that's where the who's the WMB team? Chicago Sky. I want to say I think that's yeah. where they play. Yeah, so Southside. All right, not a bad arena. Fairly new. Not Ten a bad years, arena. I think. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. 
Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Well, we go from an 11,000-seat arena to a 200-seat arena, the UFC Apex. Saturday, we got UFC Vegas 75, and we talk about middleweighty middleweights all the time, and we got two of the finest ones kicking off or, or headlining this car. We got Marvin Vittori taking on Jared Cannonier, and both these guys have fought Israel Adesanya. Marvin Vittori's mm-hmm. fought Adesanya twice. Jared Cannonier just headlined International Fight Week 2022, losing a decision that had people actually walking out of the T-Mobile arena as the fight was was going down. So I guess the big question is, Jose, and this seems to be like a, a very popular question when we discuss Apex main events, but this one in particular, with the middleweight division looking like it's looking like right now, and ha- both these guys having fought Adesanya, Vittori's case twice, both fought him for the belt already, what are these guys fighting for right now? These guys are fighting to maintain their relevancy in the title picture, and that's okay. These are the type of fights the UFC should be booking, you know, not DDP versus Robert Whitaker, not Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway, like knocking off a, a fresh face to a guy that has very clearly one of the upper echelon, if not like the best fighter in the division. These are the fights they should be doing because, like in reality, Robert Whitaker should be fighting Paulo Costa next because Paulo Costa and Robert Whitaker both had their shot. In Robert Whitaker's case, just like Camp, just like Vittori, he lost to Israel Adesanya twice. Um, the second fight was obviously very close. The first one, not even remotely close. That fight should be happening and not, you know, everyone, I think every, a lot of people are going to pick Whitaker to be DDP and even Israel Assign doesn't understand and his managers that were just on the MMA hour don't understand that matchmaking. So I don't have a problem with this fight at all. I understand why people have trepidation on it because I believe both like Vittori's coming off a loss too, correct? Or he's coming off. No, he just beat Delice. I was there. Duh. Yep. And even then, a lot of people thought Delice won that fight. Um so if you have a complaint about it being the main event, I understand, but I don't have any issue with this fight, the actual booking of this fight. These are the type of fights the UFC should be booking. I completely agree with you on that. I would have just given DDP the freaking title shot at this point. Let, let I Whitaker agree. fight. Yeah, do Whitaker Strickland. I have. I, I believe. I have zero belief that Paul Costa is going to fight Ikram Alskarov. So just do. Alaskarov versus Avis Magomedov, like that's cool. And then we're good. Like we've reshuffled yeah. the deck. Fights that matter, fights that have significance. Like if somehow Sean Strickland beats Robert Whitaker, throw him into a freaking title fight. Like that's a big deal. And if Whitaker beats Strickland, then he gets the winner of DDP versus Avasani. That's how I would book it. But I like this fight. This has Vittori unanimous decision written all over it. Dude, I but don't who know. Knows? You don't know. Huh? Jared, All right. Jared, I gotta Jared, can, Jared Cannonier is very good at mixed martial arts, and he's lost to two people at at middleweight, and that's Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. And the Robert Whitaker, the Robert Whitaker fight, he broke his entire arm in the first kick Robert Whitaker threw. So he fought Robert Whitaker for three rounds with one hand. Outside of that, he's been like tore through Jack Hermanson, tore through Anderson Silva, tore through David Branch. Just like dribbled Derek Brunson's skull with his elbow, which is 
not spoken about enough because the rest the next fight obviously the the Adesanya Whitaker fight was so fun the second one and then beat up Kelvin Gastelum for 25 minutes and then squeaked out a decision over Sean Strickland I don't know I didn't agree with the split I thought Jared Cannonier went pretty comfortably I think Jared Cannonier is a freaking nature that dude doesn't that dude doesn't know what a day off is uh I think Jared Cannonier I think Jared Cannonier wins I really do. Okay. I think I think Marvin Torrey is so talented, so strong, and very underrated. And he has that skill. And I yes, I say skill because it is a skill to make a fight <laughs> real ugly and real boring and pull you completely out of your element. I thought I initially I had scored it for Roman Delice. Upon rewatching it, I completely understand why Marvin Torrey won. The Paulo Costa fight was very fun to watch. Kevin Holland's a welterweight now. Jack Kermanson, that win hasn't aged well. And outside outside of that, I've I Marvin Torrey is very good. I just think Jared Cannonier has more tools to pull it off. And I don't think he's one of those guys that'll be goaded into a snooze fest like Marvin Torrey can do. I actually think it's gonna be a fun fight. Like I think it's I gonna do. be more fun than 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 other people. Like, I don't know if it's gonna be Vittori Costa, but I think it's it's Right in between Vittori Costa and what people who look at this fight on paper think it's going to be like a nice it's I think it's going to be a fun fight could go either way. I pick Vittori because Kennedy can't hurt him. He won't be able to hurt this man and you can't hurt him. Nobody can. You can hit him in the face with a baseball bat and he ain't going anywhere. So over over 25 minutes, even if you're Jerry Kennedy who tries to realign his center and find his chi it's going to be tough, man. Like it gets a little frustrating when you hit this yeah. man with everything you have and it does nothing to you. And Vittori's gas tank is really, really good. And so is Cannoneers. So this is going to be an interesting fight, but I, I, I lean Vittori. There's a, there is a lot of middleweights with unbelievable gas tanks, huh? Not like Whitaker, Vittori, Strickland. Is Kelvin Ga- Chris Curtis, Kelvin Gaslam. Like the middleweighty, middleweighty fights, just it's a lot of cardio, a lot of cardio in those fights. Listen, if you want to win that belt, you got to have all the tools, including including cardio. Christoph Jocko was the middleweightiest middle. He's the goat of middleweighty middleweights, and he had gas tanks forever. That's true. Yep. He was the the, the man who brought this division and this title to the forefront. (laughs) Co-main event, Jose, Armin Sarukian. I don't understand this fight. I freaking (laughs) love – I like this fight, but I don't get it. This feels like one of those fights – now, I know I cut you off, but I have a lot of thoughts. Go for it. Armin Sarukian is obviously very clearly one of the most talented fighters in all of martial arts. How old is he? 25, 26 maybe? He's so 26. good. He's so good at MMA. Like his USC debut was – he fought Islam Mahachev to a decision in his UFC debut and won fight of the night in Russia to a point where Habib gave him a standing ovation. And then there were like – it's – he's so good. And then I know a lot – I know I'm a huge Mataj Gamrot fan, like as I routinely say on this show. But I can – there is a world where those judges scored – for Armin Sarukian, and it's still not a robbery. That fight was just a close fight. And he was, what, 25 when that fight happened? And before, he's one of these guys where it's going to be impossible to get him fights because no one wants to fight this kid. He's so good. He's so good at MMA that they're just like, no one wants to fight Demir Ismagulov. And he's just like, well, if that's the only fight available, I'll take it, and I will win comfortably. 
Like it's, I don't like who who should he he should have fought. Who is Joaquin Silva even in the top fifteen of the UFC? I know he's not in the top fifteen of ours, but I can't imagine he's in the top fifteen of the UFC no. ranking. And I know his last win over Jesse Ronson was like very exciting because it was like a flying knee with punches. And I know he's one of these guys that like I know he knocked out Jared Gordon. I know he knocked out. I know he knocked out Andrew Holbrook. I know he like fought Razor Madada to like a split decision or something like that. But then like lost a decision to Vince Bichelle. Got knocked out by Ricky Glenn and Nazareth Hackpress. So it's like he got knocked out by Ricky Glenn in thirty-seven <laughs> seconds too. Right. This is a fight where like no one wanted to fight Armin Sarukian, so they were just like, "Raise your hand." And Joaquin Silva's like, "Well, I can't really say no, and I like money probably, so I'll fight Armin Sarukian." But it's so frustrating when you get guys like this, like him or Umar or Islam for a minute or even Habib for a minute where it's like, who's going to fight that guy? Like who's going to bite the bullet and fight this? Like Dan Hooker would have fought him for sure because Dan Hooker doesn't say no to anybody. Like I thought Dan Hooker versus Armin Saruki on that Perth card was a no-brainer. And obviously it didn't happen and they tried to put Dan Hooker against Jalen Turner. But, I mean, there you go. Winner, Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner can fight Armin, Armin Sarukian because Armin Sarukian wins this fight however he wants to. I'd, I'll say that now. The fight is Sarukian versus Benil Darius whenever Darius is ready to come back. That's, that's, not, a bad, that's not a bad fight either. <laughs> or uh, Fazeev, but I know they have the same manager. I don't know if I don't know if they want to go down that path. <laughs> Man, him and Fazeev would be super interesting. Fazeev and Gamrot seem to be, like, circling each other. I like that idea. I think, I from what I had heard, I think... I don't. I think Fazeev was trying to fight in August, and I don't think Gamrot's going to be ready till September, so that fight oh, okay. could still happen. Oh, I don't I know. Hope it does. I get like I'm looking at this card, and we we talked about it a little bit on on to the next one. It's a like compared to most fight night cards, top to not bottom, bad. this is pretty. This is this is kind of low key banger. Uh, not this bad. Is not bad at all. Nope. CLD and Arm Petrosian is going to be fun. Pat Sabatini, Lucas Almeida is fun. Moda Torres is ridiculous. Muslim Salikov, Nicholas Dalby, good fight. Hyundai Barcelos versus Miles John, good fight. <laughs> Miles John's, excuse me. Jimmy Flick, Alessandro Costa, good fight. Kyung Ho Kang is fighting uh, Christian yeah. Quinones. What else we got on here? Ronnie Lawrence, Daniel Gregas. Yeah. Modeskis Bacagas kicks off the card. Against Zach Pauga. <laughs> that is going to be. It's a that's going to be a fight. <laughs> it's gonna be a fight. Yeah. Either Pauga's gonna hold Bukaskis up against the cage for 15 minutes, or they're just gonna slug it out and someone's going could to sleep it, in the first. Th- it obviously could be better. Like if they had taken like the top two fights and kind of combined them with the Jacksonville card. So you like imagine if Elliot Sporey and Josh Emmett was at the top of this card, and then Marvin Tory, Jerry Cannon was the co-main event, and then Armin Sarukian versus whoever was on that main card, like top three fights right there, rule. This fight card is still fun though. It's not the worst. Oh yeah. It's compared to most of these Apex cards, this is this is a good one. And then we're we're coming off 289, which is a lot of fun, over exceeded expectations. Then we got Jacksonville back on the road, ABC next week. My one knock on this card, Jose, and you know, you're on the West Coast, so you don't really have the same quibbles. 14 fights, six fight main card, 10 p.m. Eastern. It's a lot. I mean, we're getting, they're making it up to us next week with an ABC card. So we're going to get like a, a two or 3 p.m. Eastern main card. So I ain't going to quibble that much. But, you know, this is a 7 p.m. main card, kind of a fight card if I ever saw one. So oh, I do well. like this card a lot. Man, what could you do? What could you do? 
PFL has a card too. Uh, Speaking yeah. of fights that should be the main event, the co-main event is Larissa Pacheco, the 145-pound champion, the woman who handed the unbeatable Kayla Harrison her first loss, the woman who ended 2022 with star potential is in the co-main event of this card. And God bless Auntie Delijah and Maurice Green. That is the main event. What is going on here? How is Larissa Pacheco in the co-main event of this card, Jose? Bro, I don't know. <laughs> PFL things, I guess, right? Like, I don't I don't know. Um, maybe, I don't know. It makes even more less sense considering this is Pride Month and Larissa Pacheco should be in the main event. Oh my God! It's everything about this is wrong. Um, I have no words, man. I have like Larissa Pacheco beating Kayla Harrison immediately catapulted her up every ranking, and her net her beating Kayla Harrison made her next fight immediately must watch. What whoever she was fighting, like could she keep it up? It's the same as like when Brendan Lochnane won the won the 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 tournament last year he won the season last year his next fight his next few fights immediately become must watch like can he repeat and the fact that he lost makes it that much more like thrilling and but i don't get it because i would understand if like brandon Lochnane versus or like marlon or shane burgos was in the main event because those are big names that people recognize and they're they're never in boring fights but like and i love murray's green i i i am a fan of him outside of the octagon or outside of the outside of the smart cage. Uh, I know he's anytime you get heavyweights that most of their wins come by submission. I have a really silly goose time watching their fights. Um, I remember interviewing him before he fought Alexi Olenek and Alexi Olenek had like more UFC fights than Maurice Green had total pro fights. So um, I don't know. And same thing with Ante Delizia. How many wins does he have? Like 20? What is he like 25 and 5? 20 and 5 or something like that? Did he win the did he win the season last year? He did. Yeah, so I get it. You have your heavyweight at the top of the card. It's still stupid. That's a UFC thing. Just put Larissa Pacheco at the top. Just have her fight Aspen Ladd in the first round at the as the main event. Just hit the ground running with her. Make her a star. Did she headline did she headline against Julia Budd? Who? Pacheco. Was that the main event? Yeah, it was. Okay, so yeah. she did main event that one, but she should be main event in this one too. And look, God, I love me some Maurice Green too. The crochet boss. I, I Let me ask you this because something just popped into my mind. Are we going to get a John Jones appearance? 100%. That has to be happening, right? Like John's going to be there. Yeah, maybe that's 100%. why. They, so they can get John on TV. He that that crew who like you know I who who else is he, is he training with Walt Harris? Walt Harris, John yep. John? Walt Harris, Maurice Green, like that group of individuals, like all those training partners, seem really supportive of each other. Like they all travel with John to see him fight Cyril. They're warming up in the back together. So I would imagine like John is not the head trainer, but he seems really invested in all of those guys, and they're all really invested in each other. So I would imagine even if he's not in a corner, he's definitely going to be in the crowd. Absolutely. We get uh, the fifth amateur fight of Biagio, Biagio Ali Walsh, the grandson of Muhammad Ali. He will be – they're really pushing Whatever. this guy. Like they're, they're, sure. they're giving him the old pushy push, uh, fighting Jamel Miller. I get it too. Aspen Ladd, 
uh, needs a win badly. Yes. She will be fighting Carolina Sobek. Aspen Ladd lost to Elena Kolesnik in the first round Man. or the first regular season matchup. What else we got here? Henan Ferreira versus Mateus Scheffel. We got Elena Kolesnik back against Yoko Higashi. Patrick Brady versus Jordan. Patrick Brady, Jordan Heiderman's low key going to be a lot of fun. I know. We got undefeated heavyweighty heavyweights. Oh, someone's going to bed. Who's had a weirder? Who's had a weirder last few years in terms of hype derailment? Aspen Ladd or Miranda Maverick? That's a great question. Probably Aspen Ladd, though. Yeah, her seems her her seems a little worse because she was putting people away. Miranda Maverick was like, you know, she had all the hype and she still could regain that. But I mean, losing to Jermaine Randomly is no slouch. Norma Dumont in a main event for whatever reason. That was bad. And then talking all that garbage to to Rocky and then losing, that's also bad. Missing weight a ton is also bad. Yeah, that was yeah, really probably bad. Aspen Ladd. Yeah, it's got to be her. That's another – that would be another interesting story to follow. And then even like the, the Norbert Dumont loss, like she's just been – whether it's her fault or not, just kind of on the wrong side of headlines because of like the whole coaches thing and that turned in this whole big debate that yeah. didn't really need to happen and – craziness man but yeah i guess that's it <laughs> we got bellator and pfl P-F-L. on friday pfl <laughs> bellator and then we got ufc vegas 75 and then listen we're, we're gonna be on an, a very interesting stretch of, of ufc events uh as brennan fitzgerald said two weeks ago four straight months of saturday ufc cards we still got the ultimate fighter going on contender series is starting in august so things are you think things have been ramped up already this year. It's They're only going to get even more ramped up uh, come the summertime because you have Bellator Rising 2 coming up in July as well. All sorts of craziness. And then we got Paul Diaz coming up in August. This is just going to uh, be uh, an absolute – it's going to be a freaking ride, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Crawford, yeah, Crawford Spence on the and same day <laughs> as Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. Oh, that's so frustrating. I mean, if they want to start that main event at like one thirty in the morning, the Crawford yeah. Bud Crawford fight, I'm all I'm all for that. Because the I last time we were in, the last time the UFC was in Salt Lake, it worked out. It was the same exact day as uh, Anthony Joshua versus Usyk too, but because oh that's in, right, but because it was in Saudi, it the fight the main event stopped. Like we watched the main event in the UFC media room. But it ended right when the UFC, the first prelim started. Oh, that's right. So it, the, so Joshua Usyk went right into the UFC card. So it worked out. It's not going to work All out. Right. Nah, probably not. Well, it'll be two TV Saturday for for a lot of combat sports fans, and can't really go wrong. So there you go. You hear the music. That means we are done. I was going to say preview show, but this is the friggin' preview show. So Saturday, we'll have a people's pre-fight show before the UFC card, and then we'll have on to the next one on Sunday. The usual, the usual stuff. So thank you, Casey, on the ones and twos. Thank you, Jose. Go Red Sox. And enjoy the weekend, everybody. Follow MMAfighting.com for all the results, all the aftermath, and all of it. Thank you for joining us. Good night, everybody. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch 
against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.